SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Tuesday, August 4th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. As always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct, bright and early in the morning, helping us give out winners and put the fun in functional sports content. And Kev, listen, we are on, moving, rolling. In the bubble, in the NBA, most of these teams have played two, at least of the eight games that they're going to need to. And, you know, it's interesting because, in my opinion, the standings are getting real tight in some places, and some teams are getting room to breathe in others, both like, for example, at the back end of the East, at the top end of the West, teams are getting kind of breathing room. The Los Angeles Lakers did, in fact, clinch the number one seed in the West. But in other places, specifically kind of in those middle seeds, Kev, is getting real tight. Oh, it sure is. Uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how these things start to shake up, uh, especially over right in the Western Conference, as, as you talk about there. Uh, the Nuggets got a very big win against the Thunder as they look to hold on to this three seed uh, with the Rockets, though, still definitely on their heels. Uh, that pushed the Thunder, uh, or kept the Thunder, rather, at six. So that's obviously a big deal for the Nuggets, meaning that they can then draw that Thunder team in the first round. And maybe the Thunder team will want a, a piece of Denver. It, it looked that was a tight game, went to overtime. Chris Paul uh, had a chance to make two free throws, that probably would have given the lead. Nuggets would have had a chance. Uh, instead, he split the pair. They go to overtime, and they just didn't have the juice to get the uh, the job done there. I, I think the big, you know, Dan Quickly, I'll just mention one of the big pieces of news that came out <laughs> yesterday was Nuggets head coach Mike Malone when asked if Jamal Murray, Will Barton, and Gary Harris would be playing uh, yesterday had it been a playoff game as opposed to, you know, these eight regular yeah. season games. And Malone said, no, they would not. This is not these, this is not a situation where these guys are missing it due to the level of importance of the game. They're missing it because they are not healthy. And now, with you know, look, Denver had a great win, okay? But if you're going to enter a series without three of your top six rotation pieces, that's going to be the matchup that people are going to want. The West is tough, okay? That's not even a slight to the Denver Nuggets. It's just that's going to be the matchup that people are going to be looking for. But uh, this is a scrappy Denver team. They got the, you know, the win yeah. is five, six point dogs there, and they're going to continue to fight during this reset. Yeah, absolutely. As you see on the screen now, they did get an eight point win over Oklahoma city. I do want to ask you about this Nuggets team. We were talking about them a little bit. You know, we, we made the point, first of all, the playoffs, which the Nuggets are in, um, starting about two weeks. Right. Last regular season games kind of at the end of next week. Then there's we think going to be kind of the one of those play in uh, little mini tournaments, probably in the West. And so the actual playoffs don't get started for about two weeks. Do you have confidence, Kev? You know, they said if this was a playoff game, but maybe their injuries two weeks from now 
are enough to be able to get them on the court. The other question I'd ask you about Denver is, does it matter if Michael Porter Jr., the rookie from last year who missed a lot of time, is coming Mm. back and is an efficient scorer and can be added to that offensive mix? Think about it with Murray and Jokic. You got Millsap there. If Porter becomes a big-time offensive contributor as well, could they be another team that, you know, can do it from anywhere on any given night, like the Clippers, like the Celtics and others, where the scoring can come from a lot of places as we, again, welcome in our radio audience from around the country right here on the grid. What do you think about the emergence of Porter Jr.? Yeah, it's a big deal for this team. And I think maybe as we head into next year, if we look at Porter Jr. as the second best Denver Nugget behind Nicole Jokic, who's going to make first uh, or maybe second team All NBA, probably Anthony Davis will get that center spot on the first team uh, mm-hmm. All NBA ballot. But Jokic has an argument in his own right. But if Porter Jr. takes that leap, well, now Jamal Murray is a great number three. Paul Millsap, as yeah. number four, or or maybe it, it's Gary Harris. Like, there's a lot then to really right. start to like about this roster. But as it pertains to this year, very interesting. Uh, six remaining games. For this team, so they play the Spurs next, which is a fantastic matchup. But you can sp- uh, consider just how scrappy the Spurs have been. Uh, that line, tough one to call. Could be around a pick up, maybe Denver minus one. That's going to be really interesting to follow. They'll play the Blazers after that. The final four for Denver are the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Raptors. Now it all will depend mm. on how much those teams are individually p- pushing. For their game, but I'm talking more so about that back three with the Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors there. But it could be a stretch where uh, Denver's getting beat up a little bit if they don't find themselves with a little bit of health. And we might like what they're putting forward, but they could still fall back as far as, you know, even the sixth seed still. That's certainly still in range. It absolutely is. As we look at a recap of last night's scores as well, you know, the Lakers get a big win. Over the Jazz, that game was still in doubt midway through the fourth quarter. You know, Anthony Davis and Spider Mitchell with huge efforts in that one, right, Kev? Yeah, look, uh, they needed that kind of performance, and I think now, you know, the Jazz will look at it as the type of game that they need to build on. For me, it didn't feel as if the game was ever in doubt. They were making it close. They were making their runs, uh, undoubtedly. They'll play the Grizzlies next. And again, another, you know, this is kind of the nice thing about this bubble is more often than not, the next game will be as interesting as the game before. And the Mm -hmm. Grizzlies are off to an 0-3 start, a massive game for them. I mean, look, we can get to a world where there might be an 8-9 playing and the Grizzlies aren't involved in it. Yeah, that is crazy. They are sort of sinking like a stone. We are off and running right here on the early line. Dane and Kevin, when we come back, We talk about Zion Williamson's minutes. We talk about the defense being played by the Raptors. And we preview a six-game slate today in the NBA. All that when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dan and Kevin, take you around what happened in the NBA 
yesterday. And Kev, you know, we had a battle of those rookies of the year, right? John Morant and Zion was going to go at it. Zion played a little bit more, right, Kev? That's something we have definitely been watching these like quick little bursts. And I heard, I think it was Doris Burke talking about it literally at the end of the third quarter, being like, hey, we got like a six point lead. Do we run them back out there to have that burst in the start of the fourth quarter? Or do we hold them up for crunch time in case Memphis makes a run? Like really talking through how Alvin Gentry has to try to manage this and figure this out. I think Zion did get some more minutes. He said he felt good after it. And the Pelicans got a 10-point win over John the Grizz. Well, that's the thing, is Zion was there down the stretch, and they reap the benefits, and they win the game. They win by 10. And most impressively, they do it with defense. They didn't let Memphis have a 30-point quarter. They held this team to under 100 points. Like, that's... I mean, think about these days. Like, the amount of times you hold a team to under 100 points, let alone the New Orleans Pelicans, and the defense that they put forward. Uh, Zion played 25 minutes, had 23 points on 9 of 20 one shooting, seven rebounds, five assists. He was, uh, you know, maybe you could argue their best player was uh, a plus eight. It was certainly the best Zion uh, had, you know, played for this team as we got back to it. And I, I look at this and Zion after the game saying, I-, I felt alive to just be out there in the crunch time. Look, here's the schedule, Dane. This is the reason why we like the Pelicans, okay? Mm-hmm. Kings, Wizards, Spurs, mm. Kings, Magic. Mm. They will be favored in all of those games. Undeniably, yeah, they will be favored in all those games. Now, do yeah. they have the mental fortitude to rip off what would need to be six in a row? That remains to be seen. But I, I, I you know, we don't obviously have lines for it. It's a Thursday game, but I already absolutely like them uh, against the Kings. They just, you know, they were only they were five point favorites against Memphis, and and it felt high. But as the day, you know, grew longer, I started to think that they were going to be able to go out there and handle business, and that's exactly what they did. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I I think it is interesting. Will the Pelicans get all the way up to where they need to, right? I mean, Memphis doesn't look like they're kind of hot out of this restart, but you got Portland there and San Antonio as well. So, you know, I could actually see a world where a Western Conference play-in is the Blazers and the Spurs, you know? And I know everyone's talking about these young guns in Memphis and, of course, Zion, but don't get it twisted. These veterans know what is on the line here in Portland and San Antonio. And it's not like those playoff checks don't cash in the same way in any bank account. And I think that could be an issue as well. I got to tell you, though, Kev, one of the best games I saw yesterday was this Toronto-Miami game, right? Toronto had a working margin of, a you know, between 8 to 10. But then, listen, you know, the Heat come roaring back, led by, like, Goran Dragic, you know, kind of making runs. But they fall just short. The game finishes 107-103, a total of 210, right? And I know we have been looking at some of these totals, thinking about some of these unders. And I got to tell you something, Kev, in Toronto games moving forward, I'm going to be very intrigued by the under in any total because they just, they lock you up. They play defense more than any other team I've seen so far in this restart. Yeah, they're going hard after it. I am starting to wonder how or why they find themselves going this hard. I mean, Fred Van Vliet played 42 minutes. In He's the goat. Against the Miami He's team. the goat. Look, look <laughs> Fred Van Vliet's awesome, okay? That's Steph Curry in a blender in the NBA Finals. Uh, yeah. There's video evidence to, to show that that is true. But 42 minutes, I mean, that is, that is pushing it. And, I, look, I don't want to start saying that, like, because this is what people were doing this all year with the Lakers. 
They were doing it with LeBron. They're like, oh, they care too much about the regular season. They're going to fall apart. But right. That's not right. We're now taking shots at people for caring. I'm not trying to say that. But, you know, 42 minutes in game number two back, it, it does stand out. What's interesting for me is the Raptors' next game. They're going to play the Magic. And they're going to do so for Orlando coming on the heels of what will be a back-to-back. I wonder mm-hmm. if they look to send a message to what is likely going to be their first-round opponent. And I wonder if they look to really lock in and shut that team down and let them know, hey, listen, we'll see you in a week. You got no shot. That's interesting, the idea of sending the message, because we've been talking about motivation as well a lot here, Kev. And to be honest, at this point, Toronto really has very little to play for. You know what I mean? I understand that maybe they wanted to make sure they had their distance uh, and were clear of the Celtics, but they ain't going to catch Milwaukee. They're four clear of Boston now. Could it be a world, Kev, where they wanted to, like, I don't know, take care of business early so they knew they had nothing to worry about and then be in a position to, you know, manage minutes, get their rotations right, and make sure that they are, you know, healed up, rested, ready to go? Could they have just wanted Hmm. to, like, get the job done early and then coast a little? Or is that not necessarily in the approach of uh, the guy who apparently finished third in the NBA Coach of the Year, Nick Nurse? We give a shout-out to uh, Billy Donovan, who split the award. But also, you know, Nick Nurse was like one vote behind. Do you think Toronto is like, all right, we put it away, now we can reorganize? The thing for the Raptors is they had to be chomping at the bit. They were the first team to show up to Florida, not necessarily the bubble. But they were the first team to show up to Florida. They were the last team to tip off that, that night game on the Saturday. And they went out there, and again, very aggressive, of course, uh, against the Lakers. And the same was true uh, against the Miami Heat. Again, those are two big wins for them as well, because one of the knocks against the Raptors has been their record against opponents of uh, above, uh, you know, 500 winning percentage. So those are definitely big wins for the Raptors. And yes, maybe they can take their foot off the gas a little bit as well, because you say they have nothing to play for. I think they've kind of got themselves in that position now. There's still a very big gap in playing either the sixth seed or the seventh seed, in playing either the Sixers, who are still a headache, right. uh, or the Orlando Magic. That's just that's just what it is. So for the Raptors now, um, you know, they've given themselves a bit of room to coast if they so choose. Fair enough. You mentioned that the Raptors may see the Magic in the first round. That is the current two-versus-seven matchup in the East. As we start to look at today's games real quick, one I want to touch on real quick before break is what is now and potentially the one-versus-eight matchup in the East, and that's Milwaukee and Brooklyn. We only got a couple of minutes, and we'll get into these other games on the other side of the break when we have a little bit more time because there may be more details to go through. But in this Mm -hmm. Brooklyn versus Milwaukee game, you've also got word that a lot of the Nets, you know, we know a lot of the Nets aren't even in the bubble, right? But some of the top guys that they have now, Karis LeVert included, will not be playing in this game. So how do Milwaukee and Brooklyn play this? The spread, Kevin, is like 17 and a half, and you're talking about mm-hmm. laying those points. I mean, look, here's the thing, guys. You're going to see 17 and a half. Like, ah, Karis LeVert can go out there and compete. What about Jared Allen? Oh, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. No Karis LeVert. No Jared Allen. No Joe Harris. And those were the three leading scores for this team in their win over the Wizards. Okay? Even Crawford. The, the next leading score was Chris Chioza with his 14 <laughs> off the bench. All right? Not many people know Chris Chioza. 
Okay. And in fact, you know, then it's followed by Garrett Temple. Like, guys, this is, it's, they, they were depleted coming in. They now right. have taken away their three best players from what was already a depleted roster. I mean, they're going to start Tyler Johnson, Chris Chioza, Lance Thomas. I don't even think there's a real center on the team with Jared Allen not Tom, playing in this game. I don't know what the Giannis props are going to be because I don't know if he plays at all in the second half, but right. he might hit all of them in the first half here. 17 and a half is a ridiculous number. The Bucks are probably going to win by 30 plus. I think, and that's one of the things that you can do over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, usually winning margin, hmm. things of that nature. You can start to try and get creative. Uh, they do have a win margin prop. Uh, the thing is, it's bucks plus eleven is minus two eighty. They don't have a big enough one there, really. I, I tell you, so the how first do you, half. How do you play this? First half spread. To you're going to have to lay like twelve, probably, but they're going to be up twenty five. I know, but can you really bet this one, Kev? I don't know because yes. I think you make a great point. Giannis is probably not going to play in the second half. This idea of taking your foot off the gas pedal is definitely going to be in play. This is a pass for me, Kev. The Bucks are off a loss. The first half, first quarter, they are. Chris Jones is the best player on the court for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. But motivation is always a factor. The Bucks will get this job done, but will they do it by seventeen? I don't know. If you're really risky, just play the Nets at plus twelve hundred. When we come back, we've got more NBA games to break down. He is Kevin Walsh. I am merely the spin statistician. Come on back. We got the early line, but right now. Chicken on the news up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thanks, Chris, for all the news and notes that we need. Back here on the early line as we once again welcome in our radio audience from around the country, giving you the edge here on the grid. We put the fun and functional sports content as well. Dane Martinez and, of course, my man, Kevin Walsh. Kevin, when we look at the NBA today, one of the points I made yesterday was that there are a couple of teams now starting to be on back-to-back nights or back-to-back games, right? And this mm-hmm. is something we look at generally in the regular season. I thought it was even more of an issue kind of after the three, four months off. You know, are the legs under people? Is the conditioning there? To go back to back, we identified, I think, three teams who were in that spot yesterday. They all lost outright. One of them maybe covered with the spread. We have a couple of teams in that scenario today. So I want to talk about those games, Kev. The Indiana Pacers are one. They've got the magic and they are favored. And then the Miami Heat are the other. Remember, they lost to Toronto yesterday and now they get another Big time Eastern Conference matchup that matters for the top of seeding at the East. They have the Boston Celtics in the second of back to backs. Are you going to ride with these teams on the back to back or are you fading them like we could have yesterday? Yeah, so we'll start with this Pacers Magic game that jumps out quite a bit. I think the Pacers being favored by two likely will catch some by surprise here. The Magic for still their 2 0 start. After the Jonathan Isaac injury, I'm not sure is a team that will be held in high regard. The Pacers got right. a very nice upset win over the Sixers to start. Uh, and then a somewhat uninspiring, albeit still a cover, an 11-point win over the Washington Wizards. 
So we sit here and we stare at this two-point spread, and I saw Malcolm Brogdon debut yesterday. Is Malcolm Brogdon going to play back-to-back? Not sure. Victor Oladipo did not play in yesterday's game to be available for this game, and I think we absolutely then should be seeing Oladipo available for this one. What is interesting, though, is the uncertainty clearly surrounding this game. We've talked about this, thing that when there seemingly is some uncertainty about player availability, they will only post the spread and not the total. The total is where I will be most interested in this game. The Magic's two scores, 128 to 118, they won against the Nets, 132 to 116 against the Kings. I mean, these games have been flying. And I look at right. the Pacers as a team, though, that can play to that type of style as well. I know we might look at the game against the Wizards, super low scoring, uh, and what have you, but a lot of that had to do with a snail's start to this game, and more importantly than a fourth quarter that was completely out of reach that saw them put forth absolutely zero effort. If I had to play this one right now, and again, I'd like to get a little bit more of an update on the availability, and I'd really like to get a total. But this might be a spot where I go against the rest advantage. I don't know if the Orlando Magic are a team I can buy starting 3-0. Right, especially as you mentioned, Isaacs, remember, went down with that ACL injury earlier in the restart. You talk about the total not there. There is a total for the Miami-Boston game. That we also talked about, remember Miami coming off of back-to-back, or this will be the second of back-to-back as they see the Celtics. 222.5 is the total in that one, Kev. Whether it's a total or a spread, one question I have for you also in this one. Listen, which Jason Tatum are we going to see? Um, in that first one, I think he went like one for six or something, had single-digit points, and then he explodes for 30-plus in the second Celtics game. Tatum has been a guy... That a lot of people think, you know, this is going to be a coming out party for him in the restart with all eyes on him and the Celtics, you know, having a chance to do some damage. This could be an example of a game that he, you know, makes a statement, plants a flag, uh, as it were, against the Miami Heat. What do we think about in this game and 225 and a half total? Yes, this is a very, very interesting game for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about the standings. The Heat are two and a half yeah. back of Boston. If they want any chance to catch them, they will need to win this game. Here's why it really stands out. Mm-hmm. So the reason why the Heat are, are this sleeper team, if you will, in the Eastern Conference is they have wins over the Bucs, the Raptors, and the Sixers, all in those buildings where the Bucs don't right. lose, where the Raptors don't lose, where the Sixers don't lose. The inverse is true when it comes to the Celtics. Two tries, two losses. One of those happening in Miami, where it's been a, a you know a bit of a fortress for them. They've not lost, right? So I have to wonder now, not to say that the Heat will care more, care less, but I, that's the type of stuff that will sit on the mind of a Jimmy Butler. The type of stuff that'll sit on the mind of a Bam Adebayo. We haven't beat these guys yet. We want to beat these guys, but the rest advantage, I do think matters. And what really intrigues me here, Dane, is... Especially in Toronto, right? Isn't Toronto like going to be a physical, defensive team? So maybe the back-to-back after them? It's kind of like in the NFL, like, after you play a physical team, it's even worse the next week. Like, Yeah, yeah, and Toronto, we just talked about it, right? More than any other team is getting after it defensively. So with with a back-to-back, isn't like playing Toronto in the first part of it almost the worst matchup? And when it turns to uh, 
you know, what, what they team has left for game two? Yeah, no, I think that that is totally fair. I think the, the idea that, you know, you were right now, the one thing I guess maybe they were lucky is that they avoided going to overtime. Maybe they wouldn't have won the game in overtime. And obviously I'm sure they'd rather go to overtime than lose the game. But I think you get the point that I'm making because that then yeah. would only make this worse for them. The, the thing for the Celtics is they were up 24 points on the Blazers. The game was done at the half, except nobody told the Blazers the game was done at the half. <laughs> and they proceeded to go out there and, and make that a tight one, right? And they went out there and they played uh, really good ball, and they even took a fourth-quarter lead. So now you got to think the Celtics have to be a lot sharper between the ears, that if they get out to a lead, they don't hand it back. Where I'm most interested, though, is I think this total. And I know... Uh, I might be asking for it here. These two teams played twice in the year. Both games went under. But I'm leaning towards an over. The Celtics games uh, have featured a lot of points. We saw it, of course, in this game against Portland. And the Heat are a team that I would just not bet against going under twice. They they know how to explode offensively. And I very uh, I very much so think we could see them put up uh, you know, at least right. uh, 110 in this game. And if, if I think that they can put up 110 in a game that they're not favored in, then 222 and a mm-hmm. half, I think, will be manageable. It is, again, dangerous with the Celtics coming off of a game where they shot 60% from three because there always is that kind of regression there. But I think these are two teams that we might see get out and run a little bit more than you would anticipate, and I could see it playing over the 222 yeah. and a half. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Remember, this this Heat team just got, what, what uh, 103, I believe, against the mm-hmm. Raptors, and we've been talking about that defense as well. Maybe they won't be as stifled in today's action and can help get over that number of 222. I got one more game I want to discuss before we go to commercial here, Kev, and it is the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers. I got to tell you, I looked at this game, and the first place I went, Kev, was to the player mm. prop bet market. And unfortunately, I was looking for one specific name, and I don't see him yet. So I got to ask you, what's up with my man Lou Will? I thought this Hmm. was going to be the return of Lou Williams from quarantine, and I was getting ready to all, you know, be right with him, bend his props on the over on the points, because, you know, he has never seen a shot he doesn't like to take. I thought in a return, he'd be firing away. I still do not see any Lou Williams props. Am I correct, though, Kev? to expect the return of Lou Will for the Clippers today? Uh, it is possible that that he plays okay. in this game. I think we're going to have to get closer to game time to get an official okay. word on whether he will be playing in this game or not. We do know for tough, fact yeah. that Montrezl Harrell will not uh, be playing in this game. So uh, there's Clippers are still nine-point favorite. 230 That's is the right. total. Nine-point favorites, 230 is the total. And for me, Dane... I think I have to back the Suns in this spot. Look, they've been good to start. Okay. That win against the Mavericks was impressive. And it's not to say that, you know, the Mavericks are comparable to the Clippers. Look, the Clippers are, of course, a very good team. They scored 126 points uh, against the Pelicans with a 23-point fourth quarter where they weren't really even trying or doing anything. There's a team that shot right. 53% from three, 25 of 47. I mean, they almost uh, broke, I, or maybe they even did, the franchise record for threes made in a game. Paul George went 8 of 11 from deep. I mean, it was a incredibly good performance from the Clippers. But I think catch a nine here with the Phoenix Suns team that I, I actually think can keep this game oddly close uh, might catch people by surprise. And I think the other way to play this one is, and again, I kind of can't believe I'm saying it, but 
I think is under the 230. The hmm. Suns have been just a little bit better than I would have thought defensively. Now, I know they give it 112 to the Wizards. I know they give it 115 to Dallas, right? But the Clippers defensively have given up 103 points in both of their games. I think the Clippers right now are looking to piece things together a little bit more defensively. I think this might be a tighter game than people expect, and I think it's, I think it's more than in play that this game goes under that 230 mark. You know, let me get your thoughts on something because you're mentioning the under and I see a big spread here of nine, right? Yeah. One of the things we've generally sports investors say is that if it's going to be a lower scoring game and that's where you're leaning potentially with the under that nine points is just too many, right? Like in a game, if you expect it to be lower scoring, how do they get to that working margin to cover the spread. You see that in football a lot, right? Where if it's going to be two defensive teams and you see a 12 and a half point spread, you take the dog. Is a lower scoring game even more of a reason for you to potentially take the Suns with the nine points today? It is. That's why. I think we might be playing one possession, two possession basketball right. into the fourth quarter. So that's why I'm right now looking to take the nine points. I'll tell you this, though. Not so somewhat of a of a prop hedge, if you will. I'm going to be looking at this Kawhi Leonard prop of 26 and a half. We've not had a 30 point game yet from Kawhi Leonard, and it does feel like he is due for one. And if Kawhi kind of gets over that number, then look, maybe the game is still close. Hopefully, though, the reason that he doesn't get over it is because he got pulled because they blew him out too early. Right, that makes sense. All right, when we come back here on the early line, we got a couple more games to look at, including one where there is a full-blown hatred and rivalry among the two point guards at play. We'll talk about that one when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on Sports Grid. Kevin, you know, I was talking about like this kind of rivalry between guards. You know, when I look at the Houston Rockets, it's interesting because I believe you and I were talking on another show and you were excited to see James Harden against Giannis at Tenacumpo in that matchup against the Bucks because you thought they honestly did not like each other, right? And to see kind of how they went back and forth. Well, today the Houston Rockets take on the Portland Trailblazers, and I know there has been a rivalry between Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard for a while, ever since, remember, back with the Thunder, that Oklahoma City-Portland playoff series where they were kind of going back and forth. And I think Damian Lillard feels disrespected um, when, you know, you reel off the top point guards in the league and Russ always gets mentioned and Damian Lillard doesn't. But the teams are playing each other. And we talked about it before. It is now Portland in that kind of nine spot in the play-in game, along with San Antonio. These veterans, you know, Nurkic back, Collins back, Skinny Mellow. You know, Portland is trying to make this run. How do you think it works out tonight against Houston? I believe the spread is four and a half in Houston's favor. It, it is four and a half in Houston's favor. And the, the Rockets right now are feeling good about themselves. 
right? They got that first win that they somewhat stole away from the Dallas Mavericks. Then they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, who have the best record in the NBA. And I'm sure that felt mm-hmm. good for them because, you know, Harden has his beef with Giannis. But here's the thing about the Rockets. Okay? And here's the thing about the Rockets and the variants that they provide. What they love to do is win big That's right. and then let you down. They beat the Lakers, yep. if you guys remember, okay, with this variance lineup in the Staples Center. You know what they did the next night? They got blown out by the Phoenix Suns. They only scored 91 points. Mm-hmm. They went later in February to Boston, an overtime win at TD Garden. That's impressive. Next game, they played the Knicks. They lose 125 to 123. This is what the Rockets do. <laughs> if we've learned anything from this team, it's just when you go, ah, there's no way they lose that game. Oh, they lose that game. They lose that game every yep. single time. It's just what they do. So I look at this game here. The only way I can play it is taking the Blazers getting four and a half. It's a sprinkle on the, the Blazers' money line. And it's also this under 244. Numbers, number is gigantic. And I get it. I get it. These two offenses are going to look to go out there and score, and they're going to look to leave the, the defense at home. I, I, I mm-hmm. see where you guys are coming. I cannot play over 244 with a Houston Rockets team that has the ability to go ice cold the way that they do. Right. And I'll tell you this, though. If the Rockets win this game, okay, because that would be something. If the Rockets do go out there and win this basketball game and put another one, another one under their belt, they then, after this, are going to play the Lakers. So all of a sudden now, Rockets mania might be running wild going into that game. Although I don't think the Lakers will actually play superstars going into that game. That's another point for another day. But to me, I think the only way I can play this is pretty much the opposite of the way you would just look at it on its face. Rockets are hot, tons of offense, tons of points. Under I'm with you. Blazers. I'm with you. I like Portland plus the four and a half right now. Remember, I also believe Portland has a lot to play for right now in that nine seed. And when I look at the battle of backcourts, I know CJ McCollum and Dame Dollar have, you know, have something to prove every time they face these guys. I'm with you. I like Portland plus four and a half and 244 is the by far the highest total on the board. Yo, Kev, you know, though, a game that would have went over that total was last time the Dallas Mavericks there. OK, they played an overtime game that got to like in the 150s. And that is the game that is left for us to discuss the Dallas Mavericks. We'll take on the Sacramento Kings uh, today. And I got to tell you something. Sacramento seems to me like they are running on fumes, right? You know, they mm. haven't won any of the games in this restart. They're starting to fall by the wayside out of contention, even for the play-in games. Meanwhile, Dallas still has everything to play for. And Luka Doncic went off. I mean, everybody did when that game went into overtime last time out for the Mavericks. But Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis continuing to prove themselves as a new age big-time duo for these Mavericks. They have, but they've also completely disgusted me in this restart. Why is that? Their, their offense falling apart the way that it does in fourth quarters is unacceptable, especially mm-hmm. from a team with the best offensive rating in NBA history and a young player in Luka Doncic that I think a lot of people, if you had to say clutch or not, a lot of people would lean on the side of clutch. And the inability to string together offense as these games go along blows my mind. Let me put this into perspective for people. First quarter against the Rockets, they scored 42 points. Second quarter, they scored 43 points. Against the Suns in the second half, they scored 42 total points. That's ridiculous. That's unacceptable. There's no way that can be. And it's represented in the line. So, Dane, the full game total here is 236 and a half. 
And I said to myself, well, well, maybe I'll just put the first half spread. Can't trust this team in the back end. Well, the book's ready for that. 121.5 is the first half total. Think about how off that is, right? I mean, you get over that number, you're going to need 122 points. Puts you on pace for a 244-point game, right? We're now 7.5 points off where we are in the beginning of the game. They're now baking in the matter, mm-hmm. not showing up in the fourth quarter. It's incredibly yeah. frustrating, but I understand why they're doing it. And look, stubborn is as stubborn does, and maybe that's what we're looking at here, but I think I have to play this game over the number for the full game and hope that the Mavericks don't crumble. Thus far, the Sacramento Kings have no idea what defense is, giving up a buck 29 to the Spurs and then a buck 32 to yeah. the Kings. Honestly, the Mavericks scoring anything other than 130 would be an object failure. So if that's the case and you think that Dallas can get to that total, all the Kings really would need to do to hold up their end of the bargain for the total would be to get to triple figures, right? So what yeah. about this total then? I see it at 236 and a half. If you do believe the Kings are allergic to defense, right? And we know Luka can make it happen, right? What about going over this total and maybe Dallas doing most of it themselves? Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I'm looking at here. And, and that's, I think, the way I have to play this right now uh, because the Kings can still do a lot of for, for themselves offensively. And I'd like to think that we get a sharper version of the Kings after losing the first two games in the manner that they did. But again, I don't know if that really means them locking in defensively. That just doesn't seem like it's there. I will say this um, as well. It, and it's a little tricky. Again, depends how you guys like to, to play your games. If you wanted to really try something, though, you could try a first half under with a full game over. Again, just because of the margins are off enough mm. if, if you guys really wanted to tempt fate. But for me, I think I'll play the full game over, and I'll hope that the, the Mavericks don't forget how to score uh, when we turn into the fourth quarter. Don't get too cute, Kevin, on me, all right? Like, this is a pretty straightforward <laughs> game. Let's just get it. Remember, you could also, if you want to lay some juice, it's a lot, minus 260 for Dallas. I don't know that I recommend laying that much, but we do think that Kings, whether it's defensively or overall, are sort of falling by the wayside. Those are the games in the association in the bubble today, Kev. But I want to move to the NFL and turn our attention to football a little bit because, you know, listen, training camps are getting going, and, and we've seen a lot of players, Kev, either opt out or to be placed on that kind of COVID list, including quarterbacks. We saw Stafford and Minshew as quarterbacks, right, get placed on this list. But we were wondering, because we heard a fluid target, right, a moving deadline of when players had to opt out. We even heard Patriots uh, safety, uh, Devin McCourty, say this is weird. You know, the NFL is trying to force you into making your decision. But they have now, it looks like, pushed the deadline back, Kev. The NFL decision to opt out is going to be was going to be today is now later on this week. Uh, I think you know the NFL wants more people to uh, players to kind of reconsider and be like, yeah, I'm showing up, but the deadline is going to be Thursday. Yeah, and they're trying to put you know they're trying to push it up to give these guys not enough time to opt out. The question I have that you know when you made this point uh, earlier in the week, Dane, or maybe last week it was that we had a hard date for the NBA, and then the, the yeah. date just kept getting pushed back. And I don't really understand. Like, yes, I understand you're going to want to set a date to get an idea. But if one team starts to get a little bit of a COVID outbreak and 
Right. Considering the way these things have gone, unfortunately, it seems like it might just be inevitable. I don't know how you can stop players from that team opting out, players around those teams, other from other teams opting out, or just players, of course, looking across the league and saying, you know what, this is inevitable. So, yeah, we're going to get an idea of the opt-out list come Thursday. But I don't think there's any way we could really look at that as realistically the final list of opt-outs. Yeah, I agree with you, Kev. Like, th- think about it. Just this weekend, Lorenzo Cain decided to opt out. Joanna Cespedes decided to opt out, especially as the situation on the ground keeps changing, right? Yeah. Um, you're right. This is maybe an initial kind of deadline, but I think you're right. As the situation changes, as people's risk tolerance changes, um, you know, as this continues to develop, I think you are right. We will see more and more players making this decision. It sounds like one player who is not going to decide to opt out is Odell Beckham. And if you remember, OBJ had a little bit of concern going into this, saying he didn't know what he wanted to do, if he wanted to play. It seems like he's reported and then sees where all the protocols were in place, how clean the facility is, you know, and how much they're trying to prioritize safety, at least around the pandemic. He's kind of evolved and been like, all right, let's get after it. Yeah, and initially, kind of in a Wall Street Journal interview, he said, uh, the quote was, I just feel like the season shouldn't happen, and I'm prepared for it not to happen, and I wouldn't mind not having it. Now, uh, you know, reportedly those comments came out two weeks ago before finding out just how, you know, safe he felt in the Browns facility, and I'm not going to hold that against Odell Beckham. Uh, Those comments were were fair, whether he's seen the facility or not. Um, it, It, to me, though, is interesting. We've not seen a superstar, a real megastar opt out of any of these sports. Um, you know, again, with all due respect to your CJ Mosley's and your... What about like Buster uh, Posey? He's a star. He's a Hall of Famer. Sure, but he's not, he's not even an all-star anymore. I, I, he's I, a back end of his career. Okay, fine. Like Buster, and I don't... Buster Posey doesn't hold the same name value. And you might even argue that there's maybe only like four guys in, in the entire... Major League of Major League Baseball that hold the name value, um, right. you know. Yeah, David Price maybe, but like I got you. I, I no, just, no, no, and are I, you saying I, you I do, do think a big time NFL player is going to opt out? Like um, some, I know you've thrown around some interesting names before, um, but there's also guys with like complications. James Conner battling, you know, cancer survivor. Tevin Coleman with sickle cell. You know, I mean, there's there's other guys that I could anticipate. My my bigger thing is is actually kind of the uh, the idea of I wonder if star players do feel a bigger burden to show up during these times that they have to be there as a leader due to mm-hmm. the size of their contracts whatever it might be mm-hmm. that they feel like they have no choice but to show up and I wonder the Elena Deladon issue. I think that's a little bit different, Elena. That's I think that I'm talking about the idea that maybe. You know, especially from a quarterback perspective, like maybe Max Stafford mm-hmm. tests positive and says to himself, I do not want to do this, man. I do not I want to be here. I've been, and the idea that he goes, well, what choice do I have? Especially when I got a franchise that someone wants to run me out. I just watched Cam Newton and Jameis yeah. Winston not be able to land starting jobs. Like, I have to show up. Yeah. And I, I just wonder if that's true maybe for more of these superstars than we might think. It is possible. It is possible. And I think this is going to be a moving target. And remember, we are still a month or five weeks away, you know, from actual games being played. And like I said, the status on the ground, the situation with this country and this pandemic, 
you know, is still changing, could change the calculation for some people. When we come back, though, Kev, I combine two of your greatest loves in the NBA. When people are opting out, they could just go to the D League, the G League, right? And find some mm. people to refresh the rosters. I got an idea for you on how that can happen in the NFL, and it combines your other love. I'll talk about it more when we come back right here on the early line. Interesting. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, I was telling you, you know, you remember when NBA decision day, right? And then there was like this rush to sign veterans or bring up guys from the G League. And we're talking about now this moving deadline in the NFL. I've got an idea, Kev. You know, with all these opt-outs, you know where the NFL teams are going to go to find their talent to backfill. They're going to go to the league that is now owned by Dwayne The Rock johnson the xfl right we know pj walker is already someone who signed for that houston roughneck squad and yesterday kevin your guy the rock i actually don't know if he's your guy but i assume so because of wrestling he decided to buy the xfl right before i went to bankruptcy or auction for 15 million um yeah. interesting story right and i don't know if he's going to try and revive it but he's with a group that has a lot of money and you got to admit, right, the XFL did decide to release their players from the contracts. That's where I'd go shopping if I was a team that was worried about or had a lot of opt-outs. That's the place I'd go because they're at least in, you know, most game shape than any other football players I can find. Yeah, no, look, if you're going to need uh, more talent, why not look to that player pool? I like that, you know, The Rock alongside Danny Garcia, they were able to get a entire sports league for about the price of Danny Green. Uh, yeah. which I <laughs> incredible like right. to be honest with no, it's a great I'm investment right for the rock like sure it's by the xfl has crashed and burned right once and then the pandemic is what took it out okay yeah. like, that's not fair to put that on them the second time but like sports teams are valued a billion dollars now that's not right. that that'll ever happen for the xfl but the idea that eventually the value of those eight teams wouldn't maybe reach up to about a hundred million like Fantastic investment. Yeah, absolutely. We've been seeing this, right? Basketball players starting to get into ownership of soccer leagues, right? I agree with you. This is just a great investment for The Rock at $15 million. I don't know if the XFL will come back, but I know some of those guys that were playing well may find a spot on these NFL rosters, especially if other players decide to opt out. We turn our attention to Major League Baseball and a couple of teams back in action today. We think, we hope, when we come back, hour number two of the early line is up next. (laughs) 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.